Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I say good afternoon because this is my first podcast that I'm doing in the afternoon. I want to start by welcoming you and thanking you all for the continuous support that you have continued to show me on my podcast. The downloads are picking up. We have now been downloaded in 27 countries, and that is that is a great thing. I have a very special guest. You would have noticed the last two guests of mine, it's like I'm going back to my roots, back to my roots. And uh, I want to introduce you to someone I met 11, 11 or 12 years ago. That's how far back we go. His name is Jeff Schumann, and I will explain how we met. We met at uh, a gig, a comedy show run by someone called Rudy Liquid. And uh, I remember that night very well. This was before I became a military president. I performed as a civilian president. And uh, it was in Housden, if I remember very correctly. And I remember Rudy Liquid introducing me as a cosmopolitan comedian. Uh, and I think at that time, uh, Rudy wasn't sure <laughs> how the gig was going to go because the audience wasn't the audience that I had played before. And Jeff was watching me that night. Uh, I know he was watching me because he spoke to me afterwards and uh, we exchanged numbers and he gave me what I would say one of my major gigs in the black comedy circuit then. It was in Tabanico and I remember it very, very well. And um, I remember speaking to Jeff afterwards on for two reasons. One, I got a bad review that night. And uh, I remember Jeff saying to me, these are just opinions, my friend. Get it out of your brain. He might not remember this. And he also said that I was a talented uh, performer and I should keep going, wanting to know how long I have been performing. And I have to tell you, those words stuck in my head for years to come. Never ever forgot that advice he gave me. But we, you know, I wouldn't say we parted ways. You know how life is. Life takes us in funny directions. I moved into the mainstream circuit and I continued to perform and perform. But I always knew Jeff was behind the scenes. I want to read his biography, but let me tell you, it is very, very long. It's like a Af real African, it's almost like a thesis. But I would do my it's best. Like, it's like a dictator's a dictator giving a sentence to the opposition. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Jeff Schumann, entertainer, broadcaster, trainer, lecturer. Jeff Schumann is known by many as one of the leading African Caribbean comedians in Britain. The former comprehensive school teacher and qualified youth worker has smoothly moved from one public arena to another. Jeff, a trained humanities school teacher and qualified youth work trainer. Jeff taught in the London borough of Ealing, Hammersmith and Fulham, Brent and Lambert for seven good years. Jeff also taught media studies for a year in an adult education college. After a spell of teaching in Africa and the Caribbean, uh, he was a visiting lecturer to Reading, Reading. You know, you see, my African is there. I say Reading. <laughs> Reading University. Reading, Reading, my brother. Reading. Schumann then began to pursue a career in the media and stand-up comedy. 
Jeff's media career began on a community radio station in 1994. He then went on to train at the BBC Radio School based in White City. In 1996, he became a weekly contributor on the BBC GLR radio station, later renamed BBC London. Within nine months, Jeff Schumann was snapped up by Choice FM Radio to host breakfast show. And I remember when I used to go to uh, A-Levels College, I used to listen to him. I never knew that we were ever going to meet. I always used uh, to listen to you his mean, sketch. You mean, you, mean high, you mean when you went to high college? Yeah, high college. <laughs> that's, my, that's the one, my friend. High college. <laughs> high college. Ah! Jeff was rewarded with Outstanding Contribution in Comedy Award in 2001. Black Comedy Awards. Jeff was also voted New Personality of the Year. Look, there's a string of achievements, but most importantly, television appearances. And I'm not talking about Ben TV. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Ben, ben TV. TV. <laughs> my brother, I, I know the people who run the place. I know there's this nothing. My, this is my disclaimer. This is Ojo <laughs> talking about Ben TV. Know <laughs> me, my friend. Oh. Ah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I can get away with that. I can get away with that. But okay, his, his comedy skills have been seen on Club Plus, Nights Out of the Empire, The Real McCoy Show, Get It On, and The Stand Up Show. He was also a contributor on BBC's One Tribute to Lenny Henry and Sky One Celebrities Behaving Badly. His acting skills were seen in Bill, Minder, and Casualty. In August 19th, look, there's just a long- My friend, bill. move on, my friend. The people are not interested. They want to get to something. <laughs> they don't want to talk. They don't want to talk nonsense. nonsense. Most, importantly, most importantly, Jeff is currently proud uh, to be the chair of his, of his late great friend's charity, the Felix Dexter Foundation, and that is yeah. really important to mention. Proud and, moment for me. Sorry? Very proud moment for me. Yeah, it's very really proud. A very good friend of mine, um, a very well-established comedian who helped me on occasions on my journey when he didn't need to. Mm -hmm. And so when he passed away, I took it very personal. Mm -hmm. uh, I was abroad working and I flew him from Romania so I could go to the hospice to see him before he passed. And he said to me, whatever you do, Jeff, make sure they don't forget me. Yeah. And, so and, I'm trying. And they haven't forgotten him. His memories linger on. And uh, I remember watching him at um, Hackney Theatre. And I think that's where, he, I think he did, a, he did a skit there on The Accountant, if I remember correctly. But yeah. That was okay. he, he, did, he did the skit everywhere. I mean, everywhere. once it became established on television, Felix was able to sell out arenas. I mean, he did a show at, at the Broadway Theatre mm -hmm. in Catford, which used to be called the Old Lewisham Theatre. Um, he did one night on the Saturday, it sold out. He, so he put an extra night on the Sunday. That sold out. He could have done the Monday, but he had to go to Manchester with myself. We were filming the A4, so he couldn't do the third night. But that, that's how big he grew in prominence as a performer. Mm. Excellent. Well, okay, Jeff, let's start with, especially from your from your career history. You were a teacher and then you moved over to stand-up comedy. What, what made you make that change? Well, President, as you, as you know, with Laughter Republic, you stand in front of a group of people, an audience, as you do, and then you rise up the military ranks, as you did, and then you, you complain about the opposition, and then when you get into power, you abolish the opposition. <laughs> so let me, with myself, I, from the days I was a student, I, mean, I was like the class comedian, but I was particularly, well, not particularly, I was reasonably intelligent. And most of, and in those days used to, used to be in what's called streaming sets, one, two, three, and four. I was generally in sets one and two. And most of my friends who used to miss the behave were in sets three and four. I always used to want to be with them because the, the geeks in sets one and two used to bore me senseless. But anyway, um, I then realized I had a, I wouldn't call it a gift. I was a troublemaker. And, and with that trouble, I used to make people laugh. 
So I went through my stages of college to uni. Um, I always felt compelled to go to the drama department. Uh, I always felt that I wanted to be some sort of a performer. And when I finished studying, um, there was an opportunity to train to become a teacher, which meant you stood in front of people. The only difference between a school audience and a comedy audience, you do stand up. The difference is if the kids heckle you, you can give them detention. <laughs> As with those who pay money to come and see you, they can boo, get off. And so um, I always knew I wanted to do some kind of performance. And um, when I was 20, yeah, I was 20, I won a national black writers competition uh, for a poem that I wrote and a little storyline. And then I, I was then stuck between, do you want to be a writer? Do you want to be a performer? And in those days, there weren't, there weren't many things or many role models outside of Lenny Henry. Um, there wasn't really anything called television that I could aspire to. And then the Rural McCoy came and the first two series were okay. Um, I remember a guy called Leo Chester, who's now called Leo Mohammed, being pretty outstanding. Um, and a woman called, a woman called Colette Johnson used to make me laugh. But outside of that, there wasn't, there really wasn't anything that I look at and say everything was in America. Richard Pryor, you know, everything was 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 was, was in America. George Carlin, um, uh, Godfrey Davis, Godfrey Davis. You know, it was, it was mainly America. Paul Mooney. It was mainly the Americans. I had these uh, cassettes and I had vinyls, and I was going to the states looking to steal as much material as I could. And I was still writing until eventually I decided to, to take the plunge and try a bit of stand-up because I didn't come from an acting background. I went to a weekend drama school, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't train. Um, but I knew I could, like Will Smith, you know you, you know you can do something if you're given the opportunity, as you, as you yourself know. You know you have that gift. So I then decided that I went to the comedy store one night with some students. My A-level group were only like three years younger than me. I was teaching at 21. Um, went to the 291 club. Saw a, I saw a really liquid back in the day, absolutely <laughs> dire death. And when I say that, it's on television. I thought, wow, I'm never going to let that happen to me. Um, and I got to know two comics on the circuit at the time, uh, Marcus Simmons and Roger D. And um, Marcus Simmons was a headline act on the mainstream circuit. So I went to see him a couple of times. I went to the Tabernacle Comedy Club run by Ian Thompson at the time, and then just decided to, to, to give it a go. Um, but I always knew I could write. And so within a year of my debut, I wrote a review show. I've always had the ability to analyze and look at things and then type and write a sketch some will find it funny, some won't. It's subjective. But I, I've, I've never had to rely on stealing other people's material and waiting for the, for the phone to ring. So I then um, saw the Rural McCoy, saw that it was um, like a private members club. It's hard to get into comedy, as you know, Abonjo. Not everyone's <laughs> going to help you, especially if you feel... I mean, you're lucky. You, had a, you, you were character-based. So I guess only character comedians could feel threatened by you. But, you know, if I was... If I, was I did an African character, I used to carry a briefcase. I think if in 93, 94, you'd approached me with a bonjo, I would have been relaxed, but I would have been like, well, as long as you don't make him a student in exile, that's what I was doing. There was all this kind of protectionism mm -hmm. that people did. And I wasn't a threat to anybody until in 93, I did a show at Hammersmith Town Hall, a thousand seats. Wow. I sold out a thousand seats. Never been on television before. Hadn't done any mainstream radio. And so, so the people behind me at the time knew that I had something. Something was working for me. And I never looked back and I got myself on the circuit. Um, and by 94, I did a show at a place called The Civic in Peckham, it's now a church. Mm -hmm. And other people before me, um, Jefferson Whitfield, um, um, Felicity Ethnic, 
uh, there was a pantomime there. So the guy who was running the place, the programmer, Ian Thompson, he was asking the comedians to step off the circuit and do a review show. Mm -hmm. And of all of them, I was the one who was untried and untested. But he came to see me a couple of times before he took the risk and said, you've got something, get a writer. I said, no, I write. He said, you write? I said, yeah, I write. I'm like, oh my, I, I write sketchy. He said, right, go away and bring me back something. And <laughs> I came back with a thing called Shades of Schumann, mm -hmm. different characters I had. Um, and we sold out three nights. Mm -hmm. The following year, I warmed up for Felix before he went to Edinburgh. And um, I got picked up by the Royal McCoy to do a bit of stand-up. And then I started writing. I spent a lot of time writing with Felix because mm. Felix was a, a very gifted mimic, a gifted comic, mm. but he didn't really do he didn't really do sketches like characters. So uh, uh, my name was uh, Ghanaian Greg. <laughs> West Africans student. Why do we we, 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 we we West Africans? We do our homework in the library. The West Indian does his homework in the canteen. Why is that? <laughs> the only thing the West Indian and the West African have in common is the word West. <laughs> so I was always getting around ridiculing mm -hmm. um, from my time as a student and the differences in, and the disparities between Africans and West Indians, mm -hmm. um, comically. And then one night, Felix said to me, look, a guy called Terry Jervis from the Royal McCoy is coming to see me. So I knew the Royal McCoy. Felix didn't even know the program. I knew the Royal McCoy. I mean, if you get into the cast, he goes, well, I don't know what he's offering me, but he, he, you know, he knows I do stand up. He wants to see me. So I went with Felix to the comedy store that night. Uh, him and Terry met up in a room I sat outside. On the way home, Felix said to me, he wants me to develop some characters. Ah. And then hearing like that I did characters. And we talked about well, nightclub bouts and all that, do you know what I mean? Shut your mouth! You know, and, and very posh. Because we've both been to university, although Felix didn't complete, I, I always said it'd be great to have a black character that wasn't in touch with the black community. And hence Douglas was born, which was the posh barrister, you know, rice and pies and the blood cloth and the mashed down ballon. <laughs> we started to, to, to write and um, he acknowledged that. And when there was an opening on the Royal McCoy, he got me that. Um, when he did his pilot, he got me in for that. When there was a script read for someone to play his brother, he got me in for that. So, um, so my transition, I was always doing stand-up of Bon Jovi. But in front of a, 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 you know, a class of school, Hale and Pace were teachers, the, the two great comics, um, mm. and other people who have, you know, who have had very professions have taught or been in the medical profession, and you just stand in front of an audience, basically. Mm. And so it really wasn't difficult for me. I always knew I wanted to do some form of stand-up, and the difference between me and many others, I set up my own comedy company. Mm. So I, I went and booked community centres. Couldn't get into theatres. Didn't know who you were. Mm. I would swear if I met you at Bon Jovi, you said you were the um, caretaker mm. of the local association in St Albans. Um, I would find out what the rate was to hire it. Mm -hmm. I would then book on one of the one of the, the members of the Royal McCoy who were known to the audience, and it'd be arrest me myself and a few of my troops. And from those people, Richard Blackwood came, Todd you the Great came. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that, you know these are people who, who acknowledge that um, I had a part in their journey, as you do with me, and I'm mm. I'm very grateful. But make no mistake, I didn't book any of you guys <laughs> because I wanted you to praise me. I booked you because mm. you're talented. Mm. Simple as that. Yeah, I got a couple of questions for you. One is, which do you prefer? Do you see yourself more as a writer rather than a performer? I'm really a writer. But my ego says that I look like Denzel Washington, so I need to be a performer. 
I'm sexy, I'm attractive, I'm not bald. I mean, earlier you said about going back to your roots. Mm -hmm. Well, you can see I lost all my roots. (laughs) Uh, I would like to be a writer performer, Mm -hmm. but I think reality is is that, you know, when you reach my age and you have my sort of look, Mm -hmm. the nightclub bouncer or the one who wants to rape the Mm -hmm. inmate in prison, Mm -hmm. there's not, you know, nobody wants to see me take my clothes off. I'm never going to get a leading man role. So, writer. And, And in terms of the challenges within the some call it the urban comedy. I, I prefer to call it black comedy circuit. If there is one called the black comedy circuit, there's been lots of challenges. And what, what, what's your view in terms of the state of, of that industry at the moment? If there is- well, It's difficult for all comedy. Um, I've never called it urban. Yeah. Urban is a term that was used by white people to appropriate and steal black culture. Mm-hmm. Um, marketeers did that. Mm-hmm. So I've always called it the black or African or African and Caribbean circuit. Mm-hmm. I've had no desire to want to cross over. Mm-hmm. You know, I can really get it if a white person comes to watch me do stand-up or bonjour and struggles. Oh, well, he's always talking about black and white stuff. I mean, you know, I can really understand that because when I see Jack Whitehall and some of these other white comics, I sit there in disbelief and think, I haven't laughed once yet. I can't mm-hmm. relate to any of that material. It mm-hmm. doesn't make me laugh whatsoever, mm-hmm. but I have to respect that everybody else is laughing because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they, they can pay homage and they can understand what's being, I mean, the one who, who kills me, um, one's pretty funny. They both got the same Christian name. One, one used to do a show on BBC Three, like a, a topical weekly show. Um, white guy, um, <laughs> difficult, I can't remember his name, but there's two, <laughs> two mainstream white comics who both got the same Christian name. Mm. Um, one I find extremely funny, and the other one, I just sit, and every time I see him anywhere, I sit with myself, wow, I'm Russell. Russell, Russell Kane. Russell, 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 Russell Howell, I think, absolutely. Like Mark Thomas, top draw. Mm-hmm. Russell Kane, I just look at and think, wow, really? Really? But people are laughing. I love him. I love him to come and do my audience. But people are laughing. Let's see if he gets out of line. It's just not, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he's not funny, mm-hmm. but I guess his audience, if they saw me, would be like, nah. Let's talk about the crossover because it's really interesting because I remember one of the things I used to do um, as part of, you know, moving up the ranks is I used to run a, a Somalian gig. Okay. Uh, it was called a Shisha, Shisha gig. All right, Styler used to run it. And then yeah. I, I, I took it over for a, a little while, just in one venue. And I remember that white comics just found it really difficult going into a shisha bar to yeah. make that audience that laugh. And for yeah. me, you know, I've been so naive about this. Uh, you, you get to learn as a result, but I always just felt funny is funny. You know, you can go anywhere and make people laugh. And you said, uh, you're not, I know there are a few black comics who rather prefer to stay in the black comedy scene, they won't cross over. Why, why, why is that? Is that? Well, maybe, maybe, they're mati- maybe like me, you feel that your material, you've done stuff and you feel that your material won't cross over. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, Abonjo, you know, you're, you're funny, you're, you know, there are African dictators. You will make cross references and faux pas that you can't understand about freedom yeah. and, um, you know, what is liberty? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand it. You know, so you'll make references that are quite funny and charming. Um, I, I don't find, I went to a comedy club once to watch a couple of comedians I knew called Jefferson and Whitfield who were miles ahead of everybody else on the black circuit when mm. I arrived. They even set up the first black comedy school. Mm. 
And I watched them and they were like, wanker! You know, they were using <laughs> references that white people would understand. Mm-hmm. There was a black comic on the bill the same night and he was talking about, yeah, 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 you can relax, my mates are outside breaking into your cars. And mm-hmm. that's when white people laughed. Mm-hmm. Anything that was to do with criminality mm-hmm. or big penises, mm-hmm. things that they expect from a black performer. Yeah. I got to know a guy called Andrew Morell. I helped him on his journey. And he was a sophisticated, intellectual comedian. I'm not saying yeah. that's for everybody. Mm-hmm. Unlike one or two others who were on the white circuit, who were stealing from the black circuit and taking mm-hmm. it on the white circuit. Mm-hmm. One who should remain, should remain nameless. Yeah. Everyone knows who he is. Um, I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I absolutely wasn't, never ever going to do that and mm-hmm. prostitute myself. Mm-hmm. And there were some performers that left the black circuit, went over and were doing the white circuit, mm-hmm. very successful. Mm-hmm. Were making cultural references in relation to themselves and doing well. But I found that transition. Um, I did a gig in Liverpool with a guy called Ishmael Thomas, who was a stand-up comedian from the Royal McCoy. He was mm-hmm. in the original series, part mm-hmm. of the double act, Curtis and Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And everywhere we went, Black Circuit, he would always mash up the place. Mm-hmm. And we did this kind of rock gig in Liverpool. And my God, I'm glad he went first. <laughs> <laughs> because it didn't work. And the promoter goes to me, yeah, you haven't got gold, and gave us our money. But I noticed that when Ishmael said to them, yeah, if I talked about making new equipment and blah, blah, blah. Then they started laughing. And Ishmael said, fuck it. Give me my friends, F it. I'm not about that. Yeah. And yeah. when I was getting ready to go out, I was going to give them the same thing. And the guy could see that. I was prepared mm. to tell them about their rock selves. Mm. And so we got, and so I, I then realized that that wasn't for me a mm. bonjour. I find it very painful. This mm. circle, I wrote a sketch called The Mainstreamy Code. What it is mm. to be black, have to make it to mm. work on the white circuit, like the Da Vinci Code. Mm. And, you know, I look at certain programs on television where you've got the big, large black person just laughing loud. <laughs> and you're sitting there thinking, did I just miss something? What's so funny? Are you there because you're a token of fun for everybody to laugh at? Mm. Or are you there because, you're like Abonja, you really got things to say with your character? You've mm. got a talent. And I think it's about getting used to the fact that people like different things. Mm-hmm. I know that my missus wouldn't. If, if someone came back to her and told her, you know what, I saw your man at this gig, all he, did talk, all he talked about was he stole stuff, mm-hmm. he nicked things, that he's got a big penis and you can't. And she'd look at me and say, well, you don't say those things privately. Why do you think you have to go on a, on a, on, into a white audience and talk about those things? Mm-hmm. And my argument would be, that's what they expect. Mm-hmm. The newer generation that I love, Dame Baptiste, mm-hmm. um, Nabil Obinesh, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're talking politics. Yeah. And whether they'll get through or not is different because unlike Big Nasty, oh, you know, <laughs> they've, they've got something to say. Yeah. They don't reinforce stereotypes. I like mm-hmm. Mo Gilligan. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but there are others who've got through and you just think to yourself, wow, and Felix couldn't get a series. Mm-hmm. And Felix didn't get a series. Mm-hmm. This person's been tried two or three times and is she really that funny? Because mm-hmm. we used to write and he was a writer. Mm-hmm. Quite often the stuff didn't um, commute with their expectations of what a black person would do. Mm-hmm. I was Felix, and we looked at this character, and I said to him, I don't want to write on that. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, the mere fact you, you don't want to write on it means we shouldn't do it. I goes, no, 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 try it. And he did a sketch about a gay rapper. It wasn't that. It's, when I looked at the, the contents of it, I just thought, we can go deeper with that and attack mm-hmm. sexuality and, and black male behaviour. Mm-hmm. The script editor he had, just wanted the salacious, like, oh, this, and I just said to myself. And the funny thing is, when we filmed it as part of um, of his pilot, 
it didn't go out because it wasn't funny. Mm, wasn't funny. That was a white script editor. Again, through their own eyes and their lens, that's how they see black performers. I, I, I'm honestly a bonjour, you know me. That's why I set up my own comedy club. I do what I do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't do it. If it means I never work again, I've got no problems, but mm. I can't do it. Mm. You know, I, I am that black performer who goes out and sees an all white audience. And I think to myself, should I say not guilty now or later? Should mm. I stand in front of the dock? I find it very difficult. I'm not your Negro. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you about the things that you understand of black people. I mm -hmm. am going to talk about you. If mm -hmm. I talk about slavery and control and inequality, which you might think, well, I came out for a night of comedy. I didn't come out for this. What's this guy doing? Well, I'm afraid to say that's just me. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. not your Negro. I, I can't. You know, I wrote a thing called Josie and the Multicolor Weave. And my message is quite critical. But when she came to see it, Kind of thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> you know, women, women on top. Um, mm. You know, thumbs up. If it's bad, she'll tell me. Mm. She'll say, mm, well, babe, you know, you know how people tell you in a nice kind of way. Mm. I know I'll be told, <clears throat> you know, and you need sometimes to have that kind of person to tell you mm. that doesn't work. Mm. Don't, embarrass, of... don't embarrass all of us. That's mm. cool. Mm. I've got another question for you. This is more of another crossover because there are also black comics who walk in the mainstream circuit who find it difficult to cross over into black the... <laughs> the funny thing is, I think it's an illusion. I remember two people, one called Matt, Matt Bays, I don't know if he's still around, probably yeah. is. Matt did a gig for me one time, it was all black, and he was like, oh, I don't know about this. I was Matt, just be yourself. And he came out and he stormed it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stormed it. Mm -hmm. um, and the one I love is a woman called Abba Vidal. Mm -hmm. I booked her two or three times. And the black women's are like, well, why don't we know her? Who, who is she? Yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's absolutely superbly funny. Mm. But something tells them, well, am I going to be black enough? Mm. Is my material going to transfer? Well, you know, you can say, you can talk about, you know, making love or having sex and the mainstream talk about shagging it mm -hmm. and jizz. I mean, I saw um Irish comic, Patrick Kilty. Mm -hmm. um, he was hosting something on Channel 4, Friday night special or something. Mm -hmm. Vidal got me some free tickets. I was gone by the break. Mm. I just couldn't. I just mm. couldn't mm. get into the back. Do you know what? Everyone around me is laughing. Mm -hmm. It's all I know. Mm -hmm. That's what people enjoy. What I like to do is to get them in front of my audience. <laughs> challenges. The best one I ever saw, Bonjo, before we move on. We become very good friends. Many years ago, there was a, a show at Happy Empire. Mm -hmm. It was a Friday night hosted by a comedian. It has special guests on. And one particular mm -hmm. night, a white comic came on, died of death. But the second white comic was a magician comedian called John Lenahan. Mm -hmm. Now, John was the original host of the comedy store. He's in the record books. Mm -hmm. Good friends now. But John's opening line, I still remind him to this day, killed me. He came on, he went, All right, ladies and gents, I'm the other white guy on the bill. And everybody <laughs> cried. And I said, John, what, you know, have you done many black audiences? It's not really. No. But I'd seen the other guy struggle when my receptacle told me I better go out there before I even try anything. <laughs> I'm booking all the time. Any yeah. audience I have. Yeah. John Lennon is what you call funny. Mm. It doesn't matter about mm. it. He's just funny. funny. Yeah. And Todd you the Great. Todd is funny mm. in front of mainstream audiences. Sometimes it's humans a bit too racy for black audiences. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it is what it is. Mm. You know, there are, there are those who can 
providing they're using their own material, not other people's material, there mm. are those that can do the black circuit and the white circuit. Mm. It's not been something that, you know, Dame Baptiste could comfortably move between both. Or is Tyler, mm. I don't know, I haven't seen him for a long time. Mm. I would assume he probably does. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not looking for, you know, the, the, the new Catalan are doing very well, great mm. at what they do. Mm. And, um, you know, I'll be the old man in the corner just writing it. And then if someone likes what I do, then that's great. But you're not going to find me talking about my penises 20, 20 times size of a white man. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stand-up thief. Yeah. And um, I've got all these children. I'm not married. You know, I'm not... Um, that, that isn't my life anyway. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have to talk about things that will connect to an audience. And so mm -hmm. it's almost like you're encouraged to talk about being um, a criminal mm -hmm. and being involved in illegal activity. Mm -hmm. I like talking about race. Because hey, well, I remember that was many, many years ago in terms of your... Uh, Tabanico gig. Tabanico. Tabanico. I'm putting this society so long in Capo now. But you had such a very large audience. And I am right, am I right in saying you still have that fan base? And based on the lockdown, how have you been able to keep? in contact no i've been lazy i mean i i, I was doing a certain show on a sunday get mm. 150 odd people to, to, to tune into me doing a live little little talking show because i was also yeah. known you know whilst i love comedy i've got a reasonable intellect mm. I, I studied politics i studied politics so i like mm -hmm. to talk about politics mm. um i'm not an actor on mm. radio mm -hmm. i'm not following anybody's brief Mm -hmm. um, I was offered an MBE once and I thought, why well, would I want to be a member of the British Empire? When you, when you understand history and what, what it means, yeah. and you're good enough, then, then you just know what you will and what you won't tolerate. Myself, Benjamin Zephaniah, Professor mm -hmm. Gustron, it's like, it's like asking, you know, and forgive the analogy, no, forgive me, it's like, mm -hmm. would, you, would you let a paedophile babysit? Mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's that deep. Would, mm -hmm. you, would you let a racist run your social media for you. Mm. You just wouldn't do it. You know, mm. would, would women allow a man to be the head of their unit? Mm. You know, these look up with a gay and lesbian unit allow a heterosexual mm. to, 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 to speak on their behalf. And you know, when I was at the BBC, the black unit was run by a white woman. Mm. So there's this level of disparity that um, you, you have to challenge. <laughs> I'm outspoken, it makes me unpopular. I know mm. that, mm -hmm. but I'm real. And as long mm. as I'm real to myself, mm. you know, I don't go out, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm talking to you on a podcast and I've said some of the things today I've said I've never said before. Mm. But what have I got to lose if I was in an environment, I'd say the same thing. Mm. You know, I, I don't begrudge anybody what they do. Mm. I love a white comedian called Mark Thomas, quite political, mm. magnificent. Mm. His, his level of detail, his eye for things, just fascinating. Mm. Um, I like a guy called Terry Allerton, who's mm. not political in any kind of way. There's no kind of yeah. madness of him. I like what he does. Mm. I, I love Russell um, uh, Howard. Howard. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> uh, my, but, but again, that's just me, because cause I can't connect with mm. them. I love John Cleese. Because mm. I can't connect with some of them, with some of the, um, you know, I went to a place with a brother Nabil, who was on Britain's Got Talent, took them one night to um, a yeah. uh, theatre royal strap police. They used to do a Monday night comedy club. Mm -hmm. Saw a white comic who was just trying out, and he killed me. Mm -hmm. It was really funny. His opening line, which I won't say now, because that was his copyright. 
and I like certain people, I don't steal mm. people's material. Yeah. What I said to him, you know, I only been around, he said, oh, this is my fifth gig. I don't know where he is now, but genuinely funny. Mm. Mm. Genuinely brilliant. So, you know, Bonja, there are performers who, because my view, feeling is, is that generally what black people like and find funny, white people don't find funny. Mm. And what white people find funny, black people don't find funny. So if you look at the recent um, offerings of, um, uh, Steve McQueen's series, mm-hmm. five or six of them. The one mm-hmm. that black people detested the most was the Lovers Rock mm-hmm. um, one. Yeah. But what was the one that white people gave the award to? Mm-hmm. The Lovers Rock one. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been, a bunch of I've never been to a black party where the hostess gets dragged into the garden and the guy tries to rape her. Mm-hmm. Never, mm-hmm. ever. I know there's an artistic license, but when people see those types. My brother, you've been to Horsham, mm. you've been into Sussex, where, <laughs> where, where, where we're not there. We did, a, we did a gig one time in Sussex and they wouldn't let me in. Ooh. Well, no, the guy sort of said, that, well, can I ask you who you are? And straight away my back was going up, I said, um, is this the stage entrance? Said, yeah, well, who are you? So I'm performing tonight. And I, of course, at those days, I was just a name on the flyer. He pulled the flyer, didn't see me. He said, who are you? I said, that's me there, second, second from the bottom. He went, oh, all right, okay then. But I could see straight away, he thought I'd come to burgle the place and whatever. <laughs> so I then talked about my experience to an all-white audience that night. 50% went with it and laughed. The other 50% were like, well, I would have done the same. I've never that many blacks right here. I would have thought you maybe you'd come to steal something. It's, it's that level of, of, of non-ambiguity that I find very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the kind of people that get chosen to go into television to represent us, honestly, a bonjo. You know, if you started talking about stealing and killing people in your act. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to sound terrible. I guarantee you'll get more traction because it's what white people understand. Mm-hmm. Because you're a fairly articulate performer mm-hmm. and you do think of the consequences of what you say, mm-hmm. um, you're going to struggle, my brother. Mm-hmm. You're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Although you haven't so far. Mm-hmm. But you know you know, you could have been on television if you made your act more sexual, mm-hmm. more degrading, mm-hmm. um, more talking about African corruptness. And you know, you know, I wonder, you know what I'm saying. I know, I know what you're talking about. I and so I, I, it's best I keep quiet before someone calls me jealous. <laughs> uh, you, you spoke about being outspoken, but don't you think comedy is about, uh, comedy has to have a purpose. Comedy is about educating people. Yes, if, if, if you're Mark Thomas, mm. absolutely. If you're Jeremy Hardy, absolutely. Jack, of course, your, your persona, mm. Ben Elton talking mm. about the class system. Mm. But when you're black and Lenny's been the role model, what was political about Lenny Henry? Mm. Even when he changed and said he was his white wife, Dawn French that made him change. We, we would sometimes, I would go to comedy shows with Felix, Hackney Empire, for example, Lenny Henry sold out 95% white audience. Mm. But the black audience were like, I, I remember leaving Hackney Empire one night, not really satisfied, but I just thought, Felix, Felix, you're a lot funnier. It wasn't about brushing Felix's ego. Mm. The African characters that we were doing, Mm. You know, Joshua Yellow. Ah, ah! <laughs> what African speaks like that? Danger, <laughs> my friend. And as you get older and you mm. come into a sense of reality, you know, and when white people are driving past and they kind of shout, Katanga, Katanga, you're thinking, <laughs> where they get that from? <laughs> yeah, so when Felix got the African, African character, I remember mm. we sat in my front room so that, you know, it may or may not work, but these are the kind of things. That mm. we need to go after. We need mm. to talk about Jamaicans and West Indians and whatever. Yeah. And it, bam! The night mm. we filmed it, it was filmed mm. at Television Centre. Mm. I had my own gig in my own area, it was sold out. 
But I got a telephone call because people knew me from the university circuit, knew Garni and Greg. In fact, a member of the Real McCoy cast called me mm-hmm. and said, brother, that African character you do. Said, yeah. He goes, how long have you been doing it? That's where I started. And he said to me, I think you're going to find the, 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 the new season of the Real McCoy very interesting. Mm-hmm. So Felix told me it went down a tree. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, didn't get a writing credit for it. Oh, but what he did, he started taking me in. Yeah. So I met a guy called Bill Wilson who put me in the program to do stand-up. Yeah. Um, but again, mine was Ghanaian, his character was Nigerian. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what can you say? So when you when you got the power of the pen, and the pen is mightier than the sword in yeah. our industry, it is tougher, Bonjo. If it hasn't happened to you yet, somebody will come along and mimic a Bonjo. Oh, it's happened. Change the name. <laughs> Change the name. Don't slap me off. <laughs> what I'm just saying. And put it in, and put it in a sketch based series. <laughs> you, might, you might then be forced to take action until, and, 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 until they bow down and realize, you know, I am not your Negro. Yeah, I'm not your Negro. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm happy. Yeah, you know, yeah. I made my money. I, okay. I did the thing I was supposed to do. I'm, so, I'm what, what, what's your view about the future of black comedy in the UK? It all depends. The future is very bright in terms of on television. You've got Judy Love. Mm-hmm. Mo Gilligan, mm-hmm. um, uh, people are being given opportunities that, because of the whole diversity and mm-hmm. take your knee off my neck movement. Um, yeah, Alison Hammond, I find very difficult mm-hmm. to watch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean she's not talented. You know, she came from that reality program, but it's mm-hmm. like uh, we killed off Rusty Lee, mm-hmm. then she reappeared with Ainsley, as Ainsley Harriet without breasts. Mm-hmm. And I'm still to work out what Alison Hammond's big skill is, other than shouting loud. I mean, very loud and laughing loud. And if you've mm. not seen it, take a look at it. But let's view it through my lens, mm. Abonjo. Don't view it from, this is just entertainment. Mm. Just view it from, what is the talent? Let's remove the loud laughing mm. and the loud shouting. <laughs> and that's the talent. That is what it is. <laughs> and, and you've got to respect what people think is black talent or what they think. And then when you come along, and you know you're the opposite of that. Mm. But that's what they see. Mm. And that's what they believe mm. is, you know, that's why Angela Marr, for all the great things she's done as a performer, as a director, they've never not quite known what to do with that, Angie. Mm. Because Middle England, well, there's a black articulate woman who's not going to be laughing loud mm. and, and sounding inarticulate. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we do with her? Like, what mm. do we do with the drunkard? So, you know, what do we do with Felicity Ethnic? Oh, mm. Brilliant improviser. Mm. Whether she's in costume or out, I mean, there could be there could, there could be an incident outside a venue. Mm-hmm. Well, Felicity is about to perform, and Felicity could go on stage and talk about that incident, make everybody laugh mm-hmm. for 10, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how close is she towards television? No, nobody even. Yeah, I know her in the circuit, but she's not well. That's what happened. But, yeah. but people are coming through. Mo's been given that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Been nasty been given that opportunity mm-hmm. and others will come through mm-hmm. um, and I'll be given their opportunities. Well, well, you know, I think one of the funniest comedians I've ever seen, in fact, the only comedian I ever saw, I went to Edinburgh to cover the festival, the Richard Pryor Comedy Award many years ago for the BBC. Mm-hmm. And I saw Stephen K. Amos for the first time. Yeah. Genius. Mm-hmm. I saw him on a Tuesday night. I went back to see him on the Wednesday night and it was two sets of different material. Mm. And what I then said was, if I was in television, the same way you have Barry Moore and Vernon Kay, mm. give Stephen K. Amos a game show. Mm. I gave him a sketch show. Yeah, that, yes. that didn't necessarily work. 
Yeah, it didn't work, so, but that, no, it was terrible. So, yeah. If you gave him, because the speed of his thought and brains, mm. but now he, he's black, he's gay. I'm sure he ticks all the diversity boxes, but it's almost like, well, you had your time. Mm. You had your chance. Stephen is absolutely, if he, if he gets to see this podcast, I'm telling everybody, if you've never seen Stephen K. Moss, you haven't lived absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Just my opinion. <laughs> I'd love to see Stephen K. Moss go on before Russell <laughs> Kane. Let's see if Russell Kane survives after. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Kane can go before, before Stephen K. Moss. I guarantee Stephen K. Moss is still still on the show. Again, that's my opinion. Russell Kane's a big TV star, he's a big whatever. But when I see him, it's straight switch. Just I, shared, I, I shared the bill with uh, Stephen K. Moss. Uh, at the stand in Edinburgh. Okay. So I went on before him and I got the impression that I remember someone saying to me, oh, this is going to be tricky because uh, you're both from Nigeria and you're going to make Nigerian references. <laughs> See what I'm saying? They won't, they won't say you're both females, but, you but, menstrual jokes, you yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, they won't do that. Us, Two black, two black guys in the same lineup going to talk about being black, but <laughs> but yeah, this this is this has been great. You you know the title of the podcast is called "If Comedians Rule the World." Uh, if you were in charge of the world, Jeff, and I know you're very outspoken, but you know this is you know I I give you what I should have said is that I am learning to give people freedom of speech. So whatever you say here is not going to be edited. So yeah, yeah. The first thing I would do every white comic that's on television, I put them in front of a black audience. So you get to feel. Let me see if your material transfers. When I watch live at the Apollo, I see a lot of black comedians. Mm. You know, a lot of them I do like. Don't get me wrong, I like. Mm. I like. I like how they have to do. I love. I love Marlon. Mm-hmm. If you know Marlon, very good. Mm. Um, very good comic. Mm. In fact, all of them. I love Prince Abdi. They're all good mm. comics. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, who have to then go on to the white circuit. I mean, Abdi's maintained his exterior and talked about his culture in a very funny mm. way. Well, it's just a great comedian, I love mm. him. Um, but I can remember I hosted a gig for Hackney Empire in, in 2000 or maybe 1998, like, and Jenny Eclair on the glasses, mm-hmm. she won, she was the Edinburgh Award winner. Mm-hmm. She's got talking backstage. And I said, well, what would you do if the audience was all black? She said, I'd shit myself. <laughs> Harry Hill was on that night. I was a compare. Harry Hill was on that night. Very good. Mm. He'd done black audiences. Terry Orton had done black audiences. But again, mm. talking about smoking weed and things that they think will, will connect. Mm. John Lennon just does his routine. I tell you, I tell you someone who who I've gigged with, who kills it at black gigs, Jeff Innocent. Who Jeff, Jeff Innocent? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very, very funny. I mean, absolutely, very, you, you, very, you can, you can very do it, funny. and you can make race references. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, look at look, look how I look. Do you know what I mean? You can do yeah. things. Um, like I say, Lenahan kills mm. it. Mm. You know, then you got Kevin J, who, who's very good, but he's also white. So well, he's, he's, he's not. Kevin, Kevin J has not been able to. Well, Kevin J has not been able to cross over to the to the white, white side. circuit. Absolutely. That's because really. Yeah. There, you're up against the creme de la creme. Of white comics who know that market as we're on the black circuit we're content and happy with somebody white who's mm. talked about our references like a white like elvis president mm. you find a white person that supposedly can sing like us yeah that's it gone clear white soul singer you know absolutely gone mm. clear mm-hmm. you know for us 
It's got to be a lot of personal sacrifice to make it in that world. So mm. you can give the classic example. Kevin Jay's hot property on the black circuit. Hot! On the white circuit. On the white circuit, they're like, mm. Mm. No, he's talking about weave. And anybody white, trust me. And long as you can make, and let me say this to the record, Kevin Jay's very good at what he does. Yeah. Anybody white who comes onto the black circuit, more and younger is a mm. good comedian. Uh, but people in my audience complain that every time we see her, it's, you know, I'm from South London. I might not be, every, the complaints I got over a five year period, every time she does the same thing. Every time that I was like, but people like it. Mm. If you don't like it, and then suddenly some of my audience stopped coming. Mm. They, 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 whatever, but she's not a house. She's not me herself. She, it goes much better for her on the black gigs. Than in the white circuit. But then yeah. look, look at the female, Sarah Pasta. Look at the white comedians, she'd be up again. Mm. But don't make no mistake, Maury Young is very good. I like her personally. Mm. Mm. But sometimes you have to sit back and take what the audience tell you. Mm. Um, but yeah, but if they're Kevin J and Maureen Younger, for whatever reasons, mm -hmm. um, uh, they're headline acts. On the My brother, let's talk about African comedy now. No, I'm talking about Black yeah. UK comedy. What's your view about uh, certainly Nigerian comedy, Nigerian comedians, all those sketches that you see? Superb. Superb, yeah. Superb. Yeah. clever. Prefer it, to, prefer it in some respects to Caribbean comedy because Nigerian comics, comics and Niger Nollywood and Nigerian comedians, they're not really recycling things they've taken from the white circuit mm. and put it on the black circuit with a spin. Mm. Mm. I've seen some material that others do. I'm like, that's an old Dave Allen sketch. Dick Henry did that. But all you've done is you just put a twist on it and suddenly made it Caribbean. Mm. There were some very good, um, there's these two guys who are about to do a thing called the sports casting sketch. Mm -hmm. I think when that comes out, <laughs> people will see, my friend, you say it your way. I say it my <laughs> way. Um, I, I, um, and also the market in Nigeria. You know, Kevin J's huge in Nigeria. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know, but I've been told that. We, we see, if you look at the successful groups in this country, economically, Nigerians are a powerhouse. Mm. They, they make money together. Mm. They tend to marry each mm. other. Mm. They tend to stay within their, you know, Igbo, Yoruba, mm -hmm. Fulani. Mm. They tend to stay within the realms of their community, mm. not begging anybody anything. Mm. So if you've got good Arab, good African king, mm. um, you know, then, then you've got that following. Jimmy mm. Ashway deserves it. Todju, brilliant, swears mm. a bit too much, probably for Nigerian taste, but. Mm. When Todd was his Nigerian, Todd was the first Nigerian comedian that made me cry. Mm. You know, I had to put him on the circuit. You know, within three months, Todd was on the Royal McCoy. Mm. Hadn't been around that long. Mm. But that's how good his impersonation and his African acting, my friend. <laughs> You're asking me who was Colin? <laughs> Tell your mother, it was me. <laughs> and I can resonate with that kind of stuff. You know, mm. very clever stuff. Mm. When Todd talked about, I begged Todd once because I steal one of his skits. Mm. for a sketch. He gave me permission. I've never done it, but mm. it was based on, on parents even. Mm. Oh, you know, when I say funny, told you mm. went, you know, so I'm afraid to say Mrs. Omokoro, um, your, your son, uh, he tends to like making people laugh. What's the mom? Oh, he likes to tell jokes. Yes, he distracts others. Oh, he likes to distract others. <laughs> and um, uh, we find him too disruptive. Oh, he's disruptive. Well, you know, he wants to be the class comedian. Oh, he wants to tell jokes and be comedian. But let me tell you, when he gets home, I have a few punchlines of my own. <laughs> <laughs> Just a genius. Mm. Just a genius. 
mm. uncontrollable. Like mm. a lot of you can't tell them what to do. Yeah, a pass through my hands. Yeah, or I've assisted. Todgers for me has always been the most able mm. because of what because what he could do with his vocal capabilities. But he's also the most difficult. He wouldn't listen to anybody. Mm. But he just always swear and you know. Next, next question. What's your view on naturally funny comedians? Is that comedians who've never been to comedy school? Well, it dep depends what you mean by naturally funny. Mm. You, you have to qualify. I, I think anybody who picks up the microphone and, and makes an attempt is funny. Mm. You know, like I say, um, that some of the mainstream comedians, I, I don't like this term mainstream. Mm. Some of the some some white comedians. And their circuit is called mainstream, and black communities to go onto the mainstream mm -hmm. for the wider acclaim. Um, just don't do it for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the state of black comedy um, is very healthy. Mm -hmm. you remember when I started, I was second generation, there only mm -hmm. about three or four before me. There was mm -hmm. an African comedian called Sheila Hyde, who was a writer. It was only her and Angela Ma, and mm -hmm. only major two black female stand ups. And Sheila Hyde, I don't know where she is now. Angie persevered. Mm. Or continue because Angie also knew that she had a big following in the black community. Yeah, um, it's whether Angie could take her laid-back, acerbic wit over to the main, the, you know, the, the white circuit. Mm -hmm. But Gina's Gina's come, and Julie Love is there now, mm. and others. Uh, it remains to be seen if if you, if you're in your fifties, unless you're going to acclimatize with a sitcom whether they're going to give you an opportunity because they expect you to be loud, to be laughing. <laughs> when people come entrenched in that type of, of, of comedy, mm. it's hard for them. Mm. You know, so you've got Mark Thomas, who's not on TV anymore, but you've got mm. Jack Whitehead, who's a different comic from... Mark Thomas. Mm. You know, it's, you know, but then but they're different white comparisons. Mm. You know, we are. Uh, I love Ahmed Dijalili. Mm. He had a pilot on the BBC. They only gave it one run and didn't, didn't give him a second one. I love Kyan Prince. Mm. I absolutely thought that give him a second or third series. But again, the humor was racial, topical. He didn't get an audience. What happens? No second series, no third series. Mm. You put if you put him on Channel Four at eleven o'clock at night, and if Kyan started cursing. And reinforces every stereotype. I guarantee you'd be on season ten. Yeah, yeah. That's the difference, Abonjo. Abonjo, mm. no disrespect. So I know you've got to be diplomatic and tactical. Um, make President Abonjo mm. a paedophile. <laughs> make him a rapist, and you watch your numbers grow. Oh yeah. You, you can't. You can't even comprehend that, can you? No, no, that's not me. <laughs> but you, you, you make him corrupt. I mean, mm. really corrupt. Mm. And reinforce really strong black stereotypes, mm. and, and and you watch yourself doing um, roll golf days at Windsor, mm. and you'll find the corporate things you will get mm. will absolutely make you a standout. Mm. Yeah. And it's it has to be comedy with a conscience. Comedy with a conscience. No, well, that's your opinion. Sorry? Not everyone's got that. Not everyone's got that. Give me a few minutes. Comedy with a conscience. Give me a few yeah. minutes. It has to be comedy with the conscience or none, none of it. And I think that has always been my, that has always been my challenge. Um, look, it's been, it's been, it, this has been fantastic. So what, what, uh, whether you're in a position to say, what, what does the future hold for you? What are your plans? 
I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. I'm writing a play, another one. Mm-hmm. Got one that was waiting to go on before lockdown, but lockdown came. So it's been over a year, I've had to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm re I'm re my my pantomime, Josie in the multicolor weave. Mm-hmm. Um, and since we can get into 2022, mm-hmm. I think 2021 people, maybe families might want to come out at the end of the year, but for 2022, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very lucky at Banjo, I write. Mm-hmm. And so, I, if you know, some comedians, this is all they have. Mm-hmm. You're going from gig to gig. And that's why they, well, they often say that comedians are often suffering from depression mm-hmm. or they're sad. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad sometimes, but mm. if I'm sitting on my laptop and I'm typing and I'm writing and mm. someone tickles my funny bone, mm. I just imagine the audience are there mm. laughing at the, at the line I'm coming up with. Then I also get to work with mm. um, and join up with other talented performers. Mm. I make phone calls to them and say, I've got an idea. What do you think? As long as they've mm. proven not to be difficult to work with. Yeah. Because we're all at the same level. Mm. We don't outrank, we don't outstrip each other. Mm-hmm. And as long as we, we are at the same level, then my brother, I'm delighted. Um, I'll work with anybody. As long as you leave that ego at the door yeah. and you let us get together mm-hmm. in the realms of, of entertainment. I noticed we haven't spoken about COVID. Uh, we haven't spoken about the journey back. Um, but you know, a bunch of my mind is, you know, I, I can talk about anything and anybody. Mm-hmm. But I must yeah. say, I am proud of you. Thank you. I'm really proud of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I catch your skits, mm-hmm. um, and, and the way you've um, decided that, you know what? Yeah, I talk about comedy with a conscience, mm. but I am Why? comedy mm. with a conscience. And mm. I, I really look forward to seeing you one day online mm. at the Apollo. Mm. I really do. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. I'm going to ask you another question. Yes, sir. Have you really met Serena Williams? Uh, well, I don't like to talk about my private life. <laughs> For legal reasons, we had a good time. It was really good. Yeah, so you see, it's really interesting because uh, my comedy started by me photoshopping myself on yeah. other people's bodies. And uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, I haven't been doing that. Mine, is, mine unlike you, unlike you, mine is a genuine story. Are you of, sure? Of, 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 of a tennis player who wanted me. I think what it was is she was just after my money. That's what it was. She just really? Money. Really? Yeah. So you, so, so on a serious note, Jack, because it's so, conv- it's, it's, it looks so convincing. Honestly, you should think of a, you think of a show, a, a show on, on Serena People Williams. People told me to do that. I mean, you know, what it was, was that I'm an attention seeker and um, unapologetically, I love black women. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to find someone in the public eye that I could pretend I was having a relationship with. Do you think who else? The dominant tennis player in the world. Some people were like, you're better off Naomi Campbell. She's too beautiful. Serena and Venus are beautiful. Maybe my own. No. In fact, my, like my mother, all black women, all women, whatever, but all black women to me are beautiful. On a serious note, you think she knows? She has she think she's um, seen all these photoshops? I, I, would, I would imagine I've heard from lawyers about <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone said to her, Jeff Schumann, and she said to her, she said, Oh, um, is he a German composer? But it so much entertainment. You know, I remember Todd, you contacted me and said, look, let's write a script and do something. No, on, I genuinely on believe, honestly, I genuinely believe you should write. It, it's so convincing. You should write, you should consider but it. Maybe, maybe you should have this other fish to fry, but maybe. Yeah, um, while, while she's still- Because now she's got a, 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 a husband and a baby, I'd have to be a homewrecker. 
So I probably need to find <laughs> I probably need to find another another black female Oprah who's not married, got no kids. I probably have to try something like that. I don't I don't I don't see I don't I don't know why I see I don't see you with Oprah. I see you, I don't see I don't see that's, that working. That's, that's, that's where comedy works sometimes. When you, <laughs> you know, it's so delusional. Can you imagine me saying Oprah, I, I broke up with her because she was after my money. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah, you know, I, I, I have this thing I've been working on uh, that. Uh, careful, careful before someone steals it. Oh, that's true. Let me not say anything. Let me not say yeah. anything. I'll talk to you. I'll tell you, I feel it. You can hint at it. You can hint at it, but you know what? I'm thinking of a, a, you know, a going on a DNA test to yeah, find out really. who my real father is. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I was you, leave it there because. Um, somebody will, Abonja, as you as you start to grow in prominence. Oh, that's a really good idea. Oh, I like that DNA test. Oh, and mm-hmm. then you'll be sitting there like, I know that came from me. But yeah, I know, oh, I know. It, it's, I know. Um, have, have you been a victim of plagiarism at all? Yeah, yeah it, it's it, <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put a cat among the pigeons in the kitchen now. It is, have it you, President Abonja, have you seen anybody attempting to do the character that you do? Uh, definitely, Cornel Van Joko, who has not been seen since 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 uh, it was announced. Elaborate and understand what's on. Well, well, we're talking about now. You're interviewing me. We're talking about two years ago. Uh, yeah. They made an announcement that they had uh, created an African dictator. Who, who, who made an announcement? E4 and BBC Studios made an announcement. Okay. That right, they're okay. creating a character, uh, and it's a sitcom on on TV, and the name is Cornel Van Joko an exiled African dictator and he's going to have a chat show and he will be interviewing guests. Uh, yeah, wow. that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's there, it. there was a sitcom on Channel 4 called In Exile. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, one saw. season and it got, it got panned. Yeah, 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 it got panned. Yeah, yeah. But it was, for me, uh, things are getting better now. With the likes of Dame Baptist and Mo Gilligan being on TV, yeah. but at the time that that happened, it felt like they had two black people fighting for vibranium, you know. And the vibranium was sitting in the BBC. They got two black actors, even though I'm not an actor, he's an actor, fighting to get this. Did, they, did they never consider you for the role? They you never know? considered me. They they didn't even believe. They what was this? They didn't know about me. That was what they were saying. Well, how can what you not the, what know? What was the outcome? Did they, did they make the program? Are they making the program? What's I don't. Happening? I have no idea whether they're making the program. I know they made a non-TV um, transmission pilot. Yeah, um, but it wasn't broadcasted publicly. My understanding is that the pilot wasn't great. It was shit for those who saw it, and they panned. They apparently they they they're not doing it anymore. Shout! Wow! Shout! Well, you know, it, it, it is what it is. So with ideas. Time stands still for nobody. So whilst things are current and relevant and hot, you've got to get in there mm. and mm. do what you need to do. Mm. ASAP, my brother. And that, mm. that's the whole thing about getting camera crews mm. and getting people who can edit and ask them when they come in and film stuff. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Look, it's been a pleasure. You, Thank you. you. You, I think we've broken the record. We've done more than an hour. We could we could go we could have been here till Monday. Honestly, I really appreciate you reaching out. I so hope to work with you in the not too distant future. I said I certainly want to do more of this. it's really interesting that 
uh, I, like I said, I started in the black comedy circuit and then moved into the white comedy circuit. But I have not forgotten my people. I mean, you were talking about uh, black comedy gigs. And I remember, uh, you must know Junior Booker. You know, New comic, know? yeah. I don't know him personally. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he, I remember him inviting me to do one of his gigs. And I said to him, I'm going to die here. <laughs> I'm literally yeah. going to die here. They're not going to get me. It's different, totally different. And mm. he said, Abonjo, you are going to do it and you're going to do half an hour or 40 minutes. And they got me. They really got me. And it was just so funny to see. I don't do that many um, black comedy gigs. Not that I don't want to, uh, but it's just, it's just what it is. It's just what it is. But um, I think there are opportunities coming, coming in the forefront once the lockdown is over. Definitely. Um, and you've just reminded me, I need, I need to reach out to Toju, uh, Mr. C, comedian. I want to get them on my podcast. I want to hear their views. It's really important to hear well, their that's, views. That's, remember, you control the medium. Mm. You set the narrative. Yeah, yeah, Whoever definitely. you want to get on, the yeah. worst they can do is tell you, not for me. Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, well someone has already told me not for me, so... Uh, that, that's fine. When you, when you, when you, when you, when, when, when you get what's due to a bonjo, they'll, they'll come back to you and say, well, 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 what time? When it's do you too, want me on? Uh, it's too late then. Okay. <laughs> like the elephants with the knowledge. Keep it in, my friend. Only it in the trunk and slap them with it. And on that note, I yes, hope, sir. I hope, uh, if, if, if my, that's because you say you're, you're, you're a bit lazy, uh, but if my followers or audience members want to follow you or hear about your story or hear about your projects, where can they find you? Twitter, Jeff Schumann. Instagram, Jeff Schumann. Jeff with a G, surname Schumann. Although I spend more, I'm old, so I spend more time on Facebook. Mm. Easy medium, but mm. I very rarely tweet. Uh, mm. Although I do follow people and then people I do like, I will compliment them. Yeah. I think sometimes you need some reinforcing and, and, and assertion that people like your work. Mm. Uh, and my website, www jeffschuman.com and you can check out my wind up my, my, my legendary phone calls i've got my own youtube channel um but you know it's for me i'm going to go back on radio in about a month uh, and then rebuild the profile in the mediums that i know uh, mm. but you've got to have a product and and um if i can get one hit script i probably have to put it in someone else's name because look at him oh jeff schuman <laughs> I'd, I'd have to put it in um, a bonjo's name <laughs> uh, like I, say, I, I, I was just, I was about to end the podcast, but you keep talking about uh, if it's in your name, you say you're outspoken. Do you, what, what's, what's wrong with being outspoken? Uh, not for the suits, not for okay. people. Because if, if people feel you're difficult to work with, or if they don't like you in general, mm. when it comes to the ears of the gatekeepers, white people, they'll go and tell them, no, nah, I don't like him. Mm. You're better off going with so-and-so. Mm. You know, I remember years ago, and I've always been a writer, um, uh, another performer, well known, um, had asked for me to write to, to do some script stuff for um, a pilot they were doing, and he just came back and said to me, "I don't know who you've upset, but when we mentioned your name, it was <laughs> <laughs> and, and that woman's now that woman who, who was anti me is now in a prominent position at the BBC." Yeah, so I've, I've never had a conversation with him. Mm. Don't know her, mm. but my persona on radio. I'm quite challenging as a, as a talk show host. Mm -hmm. I don't take any prisoners. And I prove that I, I can get a big audience by just being me. And mm -hmm. all I can do is just be me. Mm -hmm. But it's in the memory bank. So if ever I got anywhere and I was on a ladder and someone showed me, a, I would tell them, 
this is the woman who told so and so she didn't want to work with me. Keep the project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Time up. May, may happen one day. It's time for you to rename yourself Jeff Schumann or Bonjo. They probably, but maybe they might not even want to touch a Bonjo too, just by because of all the issues. <laughs> Two years bonjo, ago, it, it, it is what it is. Long, as long as you know you can write. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and with your right, you're writing your truth. Thank you for yeah. giving me over an hour. I've really enjoyed myself. Look, I, I, I have I have enjoyed having a chat with you, and I'm sure we will talk soon. Folks, uh, the podcast has now ended. Uh, I want to thank Jeff for um, his time. An hour is no joke. Uh, it's been a really interesting conversation. Very outspoken comic. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that I see him as the Donald Trump of the comedy industry. You know, very outspoken, doesn't he? <laughs> I didn't realize I was a pussy grabber. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a pussy. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Take care, my brother. Thank you, Jeff.